Hey everybody and welcome to DCI number 36. I'm your host, Jonathan Miley. In this episode, I got to talk with Robert Zubek and Matthew Viglioni, who are the uh, developers behind 1849, which is a city management sim game in the vein of the original Sim City and Civilization and Caesar and Pharaoh and those types of games, and it's being developed for PC and tablets. Had a really great conversation with the guys, and I hope you enjoy it. If you'd like to find out more information about DarkStation, you can do that at DarkStation.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at DarkStation underscore com. If you'd like to subscribe to us, we are on iTunes. While you're there, give us a review and let us know what you think of the show. And if you want to send us an email, you can do that at podcast at DarkStation.com. If you want to find out more information about 1849, then check out the links in the show notes to this episode. As always, thanks for listening. Now on with the show. this evening how are you doing good thank you doing well a little damp out here but fairly well otherwise well where, where is it damp where are you guys actually located uh we're in uh downtown san francisco okay and it's finally raining <laughs> finally raining how, how long has it been since it last rained there i don't know what weather patterns are like yeah, well, on the west coast well, and usually we have about five months of wet followed by about seven months of dry but this mm. year it's been more like 10 months of dry followed by like a week of wet and it's been not very wet so it's nice to actually see water coming from the sky ah sure yeah there's there's talk of drought in california and uh, uh emergency state i mean that's yeah that's not happy talk let's uh, uh let's let's go somewhere else with this conversation uh let's start off if you guys could introduce who you are who are we talking to tonight Sure. My name is Matthew Vione. I'm one of the co-founders of Soma Sim, and uh, I'm Rob Zubek, the other co-founder of Soma Sim. Uh, so I'm the uh, programming and I guess uh, uh, the systems part of design. Okay. And I'm the, I'm the writer and the art director and the uh, sort of gameplay side of design. Okay, and and you guys are the team, right? I mean, there's there's no one else. It's so there's uh, is, is two of the two of you, right? Sure. Uh, so so there's both of us on it uh, full time, but we okay. work with uh, a few other people on uh, art specifically. So we have two uh, artists, um, Eddie Einekes and uh, Kevin Paskowski, who uh, contribute sort of um, not full time, but who contribute different parts of the of the art. So uh, Eddie's on the characters on the board, and Kevin is on the UI and UX. Yeah, thankfully, we're not drawing any of it. <laughs> <laughs> Although the game did have my uh, uh, prototype uh, programmer art for a while, and that was fantastic. I mean, I, I, I was hoping I could ship with some of my art still in the game, but uh, I said I said no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there were little white boxes that said saloon on them. They were pretty awesome. <laughs> little hand-drawn black and white trees. I was very proud of myself. You should be. That sounds fantastic. I, I would have loved to have played that version of the game. <laughs> one of those things where our artists kept our artists kept asking when can we get rid of the trees when can i put my trees in so it was 
One day I will have artist credit on a ship game. Today, <laughs> today is not the day. Nice. So um, before we kind of get into the uh, the game, if you guys could maybe expound a little bit more on some of the things that you do. I know especially like game design is a pretty nebulous word that uh, means about a billion different things. Uh, so if you could kind of talk about some of the different things that you specifically work on with the game so that you know listeners have a, a good idea of what you what you're doing right now kind of with the game uh, in terms of work and day in and day out stuff. Sure. Well, um, <coughs> it's a, it's a city simulation city management game, but it's really scenario driven and mm -hmm. like a 20 campaign arc um, that players play through um, hopefully numerous times. Um, I won't be the only one playing them over and over again, but essentially what I'm doing is I doing all of the right. I did all of the writing this, a lot of I didn't realize how much writing would go into making a game. Yeah, what I, I was uh, reading uh, on the the website, you know, you're the writer of the game, and I'm like, I is there that much writing in a city sim game? <laughs> well, I guess when a writer Apparently, decides yes. to make, I guess when a writer decides to make a city sim game, there it is. Um, <laughs> but it, it was I was surprised by how much there is. I mean, you have to have all of the because it's scenario driven and goal given driven you have to explain the goals and just you'd be surprised how many little how those little dialogues that pop up how that adds up quickly hmm. um i guess just as a slice you don't see it very much but when you look at all 20 scenarios it's a lot of text that goes in there and also at this point in the development we are um at a place where all the game systems are in place they're you know interlocking nicely all the gears are moving in concert and everything so this is the time in the development cycle where we're adding content where we're adding a lot of sort of backstory and missions and goals and so on um but yeah before that there was a lot of uh, uh content design but on the individual like building yeah, like, like, you know, what's the gold mine exactly do? How many workers does it take? How much does it produce? Um, yeah, I mean, how does it work with the pickaxes? Like, how do those production cycles interlock in a way that don't get way out of whack or just, you know, lead to runaway deficits or runaway surpluses? Um, oh, yeah, making had, sure all those systems align right. Yeah, we had the, the spiral problem for a while where uh, the, um, the feedback loops were way too tight. Um, so, and, and actually... Actually, I would even say that there was negative feedback. So as if you did badly, then the game would amplify it, and you did even worse, and then even worse, and then you would just you know crash and burn. Either everybody would move out, or everybody would starve, or you would run out of money, or something like that. That that took a while, too. Yeah, to get, it took a while to get over the death loop. I think when we first started to be able to play past the death loop for about 10 minutes, yeah. we knew we were making progress. Yeah. <laughs> like, everybody didn't die today! Yay! <laughs> Yeah, I um, <clears throat> I did play the game uh, a little bit the other day, and I, I I kind of got into a death loop uh, because I'm terrible at these types of games. I don't generally play them, and so I got to the point where my workers were running out of food, and so I was like, okay, let's build a new shop or uh, you know a new wheat farm. It's like, okay, good, that's gonna take forever to produce stuff, and it's gonna need workers. So let me build more houses, which is gonna bring in more people, and I don't have any food. And, yeah, people just started moving out. I was like, okay, it, it's time to end the simulation. I've just killed a bunch of uh, <laughs> pioneers. I, 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 this is over. <laughs> they had all those high hopes, and then they were just dashed. <laughs> yeah. 
Of, uh, the, uh, on, on the, the nice thing is the, the fiction of the game at least makes them move out. At least they don't officially die. Yes, that is true. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel quite so bad uh, when, when they just leave and you know go on for greener pastures. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> was, uh, yeah, all, all the tuning was... Uh, was, yeah, it's still going. It's still going. Yeah. It's still going on. Like this, like today, I'm just taking a stab at making unemployment not so terrible. So I've reduced unemployment in the world. That today. that is a lofty goal and uh, a great achievement. You Thanks. should definitely put that on your resume. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, when, when when we first introduced crime in the world, I, I you know I was very proud of myself. I you know I tweeted out that you know there was no crime in this world until until I created it. Uh, on second thought, maybe it wasn't such a good achievement. Um. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, well, before you guys started working on um, on 1849 and working creating creating uh, SomaSim, what were you guys doing before that? What kind of led you into this? I guess part of your life. Sure. Uh, so I so I've actually been in games for a while now. Um, I've started at EA in 2005. Uh, I was uh, doing console games uh, um, at Maxis, uh, uh, you know, console games at Maxis, uh, as unusual as that sounds. And then I was on a Lord of the Rings project. Um, I actually uh, quit EA to go work at a, a small company called uh, Three Rings Design. Uh, they did uh, um, a casual MMO called Puzzle Pirates which is, um, uh, I think, still running, actually. Uh, then, after Three Rings, I went to Zynga, where I worked on a couple of their uh, uh, Facebook games, the uh, Cityville and Farmville 2, um, and uh, another one that nobody remembers called uh, uh, Roller Coaster Kingdom. Um, and then, after that, uh, I've quit, uh, because it was time to you know try something on my own. You know, try, try to try to um, make the kinds of games that I've loved playing and I, you know, wanted to make. Um, so yeah, so I'm 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 actually coming at it kind of from a, from an industry perspective, uh, from from having done this for a while. Yeah, and I was um, a graphic designer and a communications director before this, so I did a lot of writing and a lot of art direction, um, a lot of contractor wrangling and management and. Um, Luckily, we're, I think we're lucky in that together we like to play largely the same kinds of games. So when it came time to, you know, for him to jump in, I just seemed like that would be a fun thing to jump in on and try my hand at making games instead of just playing them and modding them. And so it's actually been fun to get paid for what I would probably be doing to a degree anyway. Well, hopefully getting paid. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. There's that part. <laughs> awesome. So, when did you guys actually start uh, SomaSim? So, um, I quit in March last year, March 2013, and I started working on uh, the first of the prototypes for the game um, soon thereafter in April. I think I think the first line of code that's officially checked in is like April 1st or something like that. Um, and then uh, you joined in June, right? Yeah, sometime like middle of June. I yeah. started on, and that's really when I think we started taking on working on art, and yeah. really like that's when the game started to really come together. Was in June yeah. or July. Yeah, and officially called it Soma Sim, and, and yeah, and so on. Yeah. Okay, so we're almost on a year now. Yeah. Right? Yes. 
Very yeah. cool. Congratulations. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, it's uh, it it definitely went by faster than <laughs> than than uh, than it, uh, sorry. It feels like it went by faster than it actually did, right? The uh, um, so much stuff happened uh, between between a year ago and, and right now. Like the, the, the you know, even even from the last few months, the game is vastly different. Yeah. Hmm. So tell us about eighteen. 49. What kind of game is it? Uh, you've already you know, told us it's a city builder sim scenario based, but uh, if you could go into that a little bit more, uh, kind of how it's different from any other city builder sims. Or how well, it's, it's similar. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's a game that's, it's a city simulation game, like you said. It's set in the California Gold Rush, so it's got the um, Old West theme. Um, there have been some kind of awesome first impressions and first reviews that it, somebody called it a swear engine engine from the guy in Deadwood. Um, so it's been like Deadwood meet Sim City. I think was another one of my favorite um, sort of comparisons so far. Yeah, that's um, a pretty good comparison. <laughs> I can't. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue with that one at all. I think it's fantastic. Um, but we sort of um, like looked at what kind of games we miss playing that aren't sort of being made really anymore. Um, and we look, think back to games like city management games, like Caesar three, um, sort of that kind of management game. Yeah. The old, uh, what was the company's name? Uh, impressions. Yeah. Impressions. They got, uh, bought by Sierra, I think. Or vice versa. I forget. Yeah. The, and you know, they, they did, uh, Caesar and Cleopatra and Zeus. And there, there was a whole series of these games. Um, and so we sort of wanted to make that kind of game, um, but for both a tablet and for a PC, um, we sort of wanted to show that you can now begin to sort of think about making those kinds of games for a, t for a tablet as well as for a PC. So um, you can have that sort of um, more immersive simulation experience, that longer session um, on your tablet as well as on your PC. Mm -hmm. And so we sort of started with the design of idea of, um, so this is going to be on a tablet, so it has to play on a tablet. But we want it to be an equally compelling PC game. So um, yeah, and that's a, and that's a, uh, there was a it's an ongoing challenge, right? Um, on, on one hand, we you know really like playing on tablets, right? I mean, it, it's such a nice form factor. You you can uh, sit on the couch and watch TV and play a game or something, right? It's a very it's it, it's a great way to to play games, um, uh, but. It, it sort of invites a different kind of a game, right? Like you can't easily get into a game of the scope of civilization <laughs> on a tablet. I mean, even just technical uh, problems aside, just like the, you want to be able to, you know, pause the game and like go do something else and then come back and not have to get yourself into the like complicated, complicated game state. Um, so we were going for, well, shorter game sessions Maybe like twenty minutes, maybe an hour. Not not this sort of marathon, you know, all day civilization kind of uh, kind of um, binges. Yeah, <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, so shorter game sessions, but more of them and more variety. Um, and then on the sort of simulation side, uh, you know, we definitely didn't want to go in the like hyper casual direction of you know you click on buildings and you get timers and stuff because that's 
um, that's a whole different genre. Uh, the, we want to go back more into the strategic simulation, and specifically things like uh, resource management. You have your wheat farms that are producing stuff, but they also need workers. And you have your bakeries that also need workers and consume the wheat that was produced by the wheat farms and then produce bread, which gets consumed by other people and so on. So over time, you get you build up these larger and larger lo logistical uh, kind of chains of how resources get managed and converted from one to the other and so on, um, which is... Uh, it's like spinning plates, right? Like you, you get a lot of these things going on at the same time, and then you have to make sure that all of them are spinning and none of them falls down. Because once they start falling, they really start falling. Um, yeah. Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fire and whatnot. Um, so yeah, so that's uh, that's kind of the perspective we were approaching it from, I guess, on the design side. Um, yeah. The and then I started. Uh, so uh, when I was working on the prototype, uh, that also informed um, a bunch of our uh, a bunch of our work later. the The very initial prototype was very simple. Um, in in retrospect, uh, I think we went through four prototypes altogether. One uh, and, it sounds right. I don't yeah remember. <laughs> and it, uh, it it was it was really good because they built up on on it, on one on the other. They we didn't really have a lot of uh, um, uh, dead ends. But the, the the original prototype was actually uh, fairly inspired by uh, SimCity. Um, the uh, there was a talk by the uh, SimCity Five developers at GDC uh, about how they built their um, uh, the uh, what was it called the, the rule system. They called it the glass box engine, and the uh, it was actually very nicely modular. Uh, you could set up rules on each building about what they would do, what they would consume, what they would produce. Uh, it sounded like a very nice kind of a system. And of course, you know, the, uh, since it was SimCity 5, it, it had much more stuff on it as well, right? There were, there were graphical elements attached to it and a lot of uh, sort of large-scale effects and so on. Um, but that was a very inspirational part to see a game design uh, that was all about modularity and all about uh, chopping up the designs uh, of these buildings into these nice reusable blocks that you could snap together in different ways. So that's kind of what inspired the first prototype. Uh, we, uh, you know, I, I, I essentially went and built a small rule engine where you could put together uh, small rules about what buildings consume, what they produce. So you could have, you know, the gold mine, for example, runs a rule every seven days that checks, you know, is there gold in the ground still? Uh, do we still have workers? Have the workers been paid? If so, pull out some of the gold from the ground and deposit it in the building. Then there's another rule that says, do we have gold in the building? Uh, and do we have workers? If so, spawn a worker that delivers you know, a little bit of this gold from the gold mine to the depot. Uh, you know, and there's, there's these sort of rules running in each of the individual buildings, and altogether it turns into you know, this like, nice clockwork where they all interlock and, and work with each other. Yeah. Yeah. So the, uh, the and the design challenge was just getting the clockwork to actually run, not crazily fast, not crazy slow, just at the right pace. Yeah. So yeah. So I, I guess in terms of our inspirations, it was um, uh, it was on one hand games like Caesar and and Pharaoh and so on from uh, it would have been what twenty years ago, I guess. Got uh, it. Fifteen yeah, years. That's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Which 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 had such character and such sort of. Um, 
atmosphere to them. And they were city builders, so they were, you know, they weren't crazy complicated, but you still had that kind of like plate spinning feel to them. And then on the technical side, uh, um, the main main inspiration was the sort of uh, Max's school of building um, game systems uh, that are heavily simulation based and that can be uh, used as building blocks to, to build larger elements out of. Very cool. Great. So, what particular elements from the those older games like Caesar and Pharaoh were you, I guess, wanting to keep and use? And were there any that you wanted to either improve upon or kind of discard? That it's like you know something that you know we've learned in the last fifteen twenty years of of making games that it's just like this is a, a better way to do it. Or you know, are are you finding that those are just you know, kind of paragons of, um, you know, city sim builders. I'm really, good. I'm really going to date myself. I'm going to talk about Caesar Two, um, which was a great game, but it was DOS based and it was a lot of fun. And one of one of my favorite things about that game was, um, well, there are two awesome things about that game. One was as you played through it, you would like play through your town. You'd have these goals that you had to achieve, um, either fighting off barbarians that were invading you or producing um, materials for the for, for Rome or for growing food or pacifying local tribes and then when you like achieved that scenario then you would conquer that province for the empire and you had this open map that you started with at the beginning and like you would play in Sicily and then you would turn Sicily red and it would be Roman now and I just really really like filling up the map like playing through all those scenarios and filling up all of the map and achieving all of those goals and you sort of got this sense of achievement that you had built the Roman Empire or something mm -hmm. after you've gone through it. Yeah, that was, that was a very nice way in which they combined sort of city building, which is this like, very analytic uh, kind of a strategic kind of a gameplay with this story of building out the empire. I mean, that was, that was such a great way of going about this. Instead of having like this random city that lives in a completely abstract world, now it's situated in history, in a concrete place, uh, in Europe and, and so on, so that was yeah, that was those yeah. very nice. Um, some of the things, yeah, I mean, some of the things. That, a lot of those games, I think, just because they were pushing the envelope at the time, just tried to overshoot their technology a little bit, and they had some systems that were just not a lot of fun, and you just had to live with them. There was a whole like army system in Caesar Two that just was completely broken most of the time. Um, your army would wander away and you couldn't get them to come back. Um, you'd get <laughs> That's in, not good. You'd get invaded on an island that you can't get to and there would just be these constant warnings like, there are barbarians. I'm like, they're on an island. <laughs> they're barbarians, but they're on an island. Um, so, yeah, there was, I, I guess some of the things that I took away from those games that I didn't want to do was there were a lot of things that I did that just seemed to have as a goal to annoy the player. Um just superfluous quests, things that... Oh, and, and the, the, there was one system that we uh, killed immediately. We didn't even have to prototype. We just sort of talked through the consequences and, and we killed immediately, um, which was walkers. So um, uh, I, if uh, you are, uh, the listeners are not familiar with, with these, um, the, uh, there was the idea that some buildings in, in a city 
uh, deliver some goods or deliver some benefit, but they they don't just sort of give it to other buildings that are around them. Instead, they spawn little NPCs that wander down the street, and wherever they walk by a building, they drop off a little bit of this goodness. So there was like a food vendor that would literally, you know, a person with a basket, and they would walk around, and as they passed by a building, uh, you know, the storage of food inside that building would get replenished. And the same with fire marshal, he would walk by, and the fire risk would drop. Um, yeah, season, three, season or two and three had the Praetorian who would like take care of fire and crime. But right. the problem with these guys is that then they would not go where you wanted them to go. Oh, yeah. They so, would start walking down random streets. They wouldn't go down streets that were right next to their building. Right, because um, because when they reached an intersection, if I remember correctly, it was just a random number uh, yeah. generator that would decide where they would go. So they would get lost in these sort of, you know. And you'd have like four of them off in one corner, and <laughs> none of them where you needed them. <laughs> then you'd, and then you'd and you can't this, pick them up and move no, them to the No, you'd have to play right this place. game where you would delete roads to get them to go. It was... <laughs> It was one of those systems that was just seemed designed to annoy the player. So that was one of the things that we got rid of. Yeah, I mean, I, I can understand why it's appealing, right? Because it's like it, again, it gives you great atmosphere. Uh, it, it's you, you can uh, the player can read immediately. You know, uh, what's going on? Why am I not getting food? Oh, the the guy just went by, replenished my food. Now I'm going to connect. That food comes from the guy who walks by. It, it's very readable, but until it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. So yeah, so I, I I think that's that in terms of uh, um, those those sort of games. I mean, they're they're sort of generally just very uh, inspirational. The between the mood and the atmosphere and and uh, some of the mechanics and yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um, obviously there's the scenario portion of the game. Uh, is there a freeform city builder? More like, uh, I guess, traditional SimCity where you just have a you know area of land and you can just go to town, make in a town. There will be yes. So uh, it's it's uh, kind of uh, halfway done. So the um, the uh, the the thing that's stopping us is, is just time to build the tech for it. Um, right now there is a map generator, uh, but it's not interesting enough. You know, it it generates maps. And you can build city, and none of this is hooked up yet. This is only like in debug mode. Mm. Um, and the uh, you can uh, you can start on a map like this and build. Uh, it, it unlocks everything, uh, all the buildings and and all the resources. So you can start building these large towns. But the maps are not really all that interesting yet. I mean, there's there's some trees, there's a river or something. Um, we have plans to make the map generator. Uh, more interesting, putting some obstacles in front of you, putting some random events that you have to respond to. Um, but all of that stuff is going to probably happen uh, closer to the actual ship date, not, not, not just yet. Yeah, the plan is we just, have to, we just have to try to make the... We discovered that the scenarios are much more interesting than the sandbox, and we yeah. want to try to make the sandbox as interesting and as compelling as the scenarios, so it's fun to do both. Yeah, the, the scenarios are definitely more interesting because they're, uh, yeah, the, the goals that you have to meet and the constraints that, that you're placed in um, uh, work off of each other. So they, it, it, it becomes more interesting to try to meet them than to start from a, from a blank slate and, and try to build a large thing, hmm. uh, which you do once or twice, and then, and, and then you kind of know how to do it. Oh, one thing we could do is something that Dungeon Keeper did very well, which is it still had sandboxes, 
but those sandboxes uh, came in different kinds of uh, shapes. So say so they still had a goal that you could meet if you wanted to, or you could just go do your own thing. Um, and I mean that that might be one way to square this particular uh, um, you know to to, to to solve this particular problem of having a sandbox that doesn't have any goals uh, be less interesting than something with goals. So it was the scenario system kind of, um, I guess, born out of wanting to bring it to the tablet space to give you that shorter, not, you know, marathon session, but something that you can play for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour or however, however much time the, set, the scenario takes and feel like you've accomplished something rather than getting started on a city and, you know, not really getting anywhere in that amount of time. It's a, a little... There was a degree of that, yeah. I mean, we wanted to break each of the scenarios, each of the cities up into some discrete parts that people could work their way through in a shorter period of time. And at the same time, it was also a little bit of a homage back to some of those games that we liked because they would have very specific things that you would have to do and deliver with your city. It wasn't just, you weren't just doing this like city for the city's sake. You were trying to advance your career as a Roman general or as a, Roman governor. So we wanted to make that kind of to keep that kind of feeling that, you know, you're progressing through as you build your mining empire, as you build Northern California. Because when you're out here, you sort of the gold rush is kind of everywhere and omnipresent. It's it is sort of what made California into California. Um, so it's yeah, it's sort of our homage to both California and to those old game those those older classic simulation games. And as a lovely sort of, not coincidence, another another part of that is that, is that it makes these nice sort of shorter chunks that the player can reach a star and then the game will stop and they sort of, you know, you can keep going with your next goal or you can say, I'm going to put that down for a little bit and come back to it. And then it's very easy to get right back in where you were before. Or I've binge played our game too. You can just sit there and plug through it for five or six hours. So it's sort of like... <laughs> yeah sort of presents you with yeah. choices. Yeah, I guess the, the um, approach of having a campaign mode is, is more maybe popular in RTS or uh, war games rather than in, in, in simulations or city builders. But there's, uh, yeah, there's definitely this um, the style of presenting content, content in these sort of individual uh, challenges. Yeah. That's very appealing. Yeah, even a game like Children of the Nile would have, you know, you have you had to build the Great Pyramid, and so your whole city was sort of organized around that effort to build the Great Pyramid. So we sort, we, I, I personally, I like sandbox games, but after a while, I get to the point of just looking at it and going, so, why did I spend all of my time building this town? I mean, it, to me, they just lack sort of an endpoint. And I always got there with SimCity 4, which I loved, and I have this huge city, and I just would look at it and go. Now, why did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> so I know I, part of me, just as a game player, really likes the goals, I guess. Yeah, the context. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Um, so one question that I have is a little random. Uh, the music for the game, is that something that you guys outsourced, or is it one of the, um, the other uh, people that you have working with you created? Because that... That was catchy and tranquil and fantastic. The the music from the trailer, and it I I just wanted to say that was awesome. If there's more music like that, then great game. Uh. <laughs> there, there is actually um actually next in our in our um next sort of update to our early access, which 
it's coming out next Thursday. There, uh, the, the soundtrack will will join the game. Um, the soundtrack we just found out, we just kind of found randomly. Um, we were just looking for some music to go with a video, and we found that song, and it's just remarkably catchy. And yeah, so we have there's more by the same more more is coming by the same artist. Good to know. Yeah, and it and it fits fits the the setting so nicely. It's the sort of like bluegrassy uh, Americana, which mm-hmm. sounds beautiful. And it gets stuck in your head. Yes. <laughs> Well, does, but in a good way. Yeah, good yeah. Point. Especially in the other uh, the other day, I was uh, working on a part of the code since we're you know uh, the current build doesn't have uh, sound enabled yet, but the next build will. So you will have the soundtrack, and you will be able to, you know, the different cities uh, will have uh, they can have uh, different soundtrack you know from from uh, one from some number of uh, tracks that we're going to ship with. Um, so the other day I was just working on the part of the code, <laughs> the part of the code that serves the mute button, essentially, right? So I kept just replaying and muting, unmuting, and I, would, I had some problems in there, so I just kept replaying the soundtrack over and over and over again. And by the end of the day, you're just like, you know, you're walking around humming the soundtrack, not even realizing that it's, it's that catchy. <laughs> Awesome. Now, you guys mentioned uh, bringing this game to, to tablets, um, and, but the game is also on uh, Greenlight for, to be available for PC. Uh, which, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, which do you plan on having out first, the PC version or the tablet? So the PC version is already out. Uh, on indie games, not on Steam. Uh, on oh. Steam, we're in, we're in green light, so hopefully, you know, we we get green light. Uh, but uh, it's uh, the early access version is available for purchase on indiegamestone.com, and the that's the PC and Mac builds. Uh, okay. We are right now actually we're working on uh, the tablet builds. We have we have a prototype version running on tablets, so we know that on the tech side it's feasible. Um, but there's just a lot more more work to be done to make sure that you know it it works well on the variety of tablet hardware that's out there and you know integrates well with the app stores and all that stuff. Yeah, I think right now we're planning on launching both of them right about the same time. Yeah, ideally, ideally it would be a launch on all the platforms at the same time because why not? We're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, what have been some of the challenges of making something for a, a tablet? versus PC. No mouse over is a big kind of annoyance. I've just, it's sort of a crutch, and then you realize there's no mouse over on a tablet. You can't have your mouse hover, and then it can deliver you state info. So no mouse over was, I kept saying, well, we can just have a mouse, never mind. We can do a mouse, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) There is no mouse over. Yeah, it's it's painful. Um, The other challenge, which is, Kind of game designy, but but sort of gets into the the larger business part is monetization. Um, so we knew from the start that we wanted to make a simulation-based game um, and sort of do it such that the design is not uh, you know it, the the design works together. So you're not um, chopping the game up into tiny little pieces because with simulation games like um, all the buildings work together, for example. So if you were to ship a game that doesn't have wheat farms and you have to buy wheat farms, you know, as in, in a purchase or something like it that, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work, right? So we, we decided early on that uh, we, we're probably going to 
need to make it a premium game, or I guess they call it premium, right? It's, it's just not free to play. Um, it's, it's, it's what two years ago I would have called just a game. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we made that decision fairly early on, um, and that's been uh, kind of challenging on tablets and, and on mobile in general because you know you look at uh, what sells, you know what what are the popular games, and they're all free to play, right? And and you keep. Uh, um, doubting yourself all the time. Did I make the right decision? Right? Uh, is, is this is this the right move on mobile? Uh, we think it is. Right? And we yeah, it we goes, think it fits the game perfectly. It goes the other way too, because then you, you you approach people who play PC games who say who you say, well, we're going to play it on tablets too, and they say, oh, so it's like a Facebook game, or it's like a, I just want to say, no, no, it's a simulation game, but it's for a tablet. So it, it, I think on it both, does not compute. Both, we're, we're, trying, we're, we're trying to fight two battles on the same on two different fronts here. So mm-hmm. that's been a, that, that's been a non-technical challenge, other than the fact that I can't have mouse overs. Yeah, <laughs> I'd love mouse overs. <laughs> What's been one of the most surprising things about making it for a tablet? Uh, something that you, I guess, weren't expecting, whether good or bad. Um, on the technical side, I was actually pleasantly surprised with how easy it, it's been to to make a tablet build. So we're working on um, Adobe Air technology. So it's you know <laughs> underneath it's all Flash, um, <laughs> but it's you know 3D hardware accelerated Flash. So it's you know, so it, it's just like any other game. Um, and it was really surprising that I could just retarget the build system to go to a tablet. Do a little bit of magic around uh, signing the app for the iPad, whatever, and it just works. Right? It's uh, I, I was expecting a much tougher battle. <laughs> no, I think for I think for me the the sort of way that you I thought I thought that we had to make a lot more design compromises going back and forth between tablet and PC, like. Oh well, no, we can't do that because that won't work on a tablet. Or yeah, that's good for PC. That's good for tablet, but it won't work on PC. Mm-hmm. I was surprised. Really, I, I think it's it may have to do with the fact that we didn't really have to make a lot of technical concessions. That they didn't have to make a lot of design concessions. I thought that the, that going onto a tablet would constrain the design a lot more than it has. Yeah. I will say UI design, like visual design, does get a little tricky because just the pure variety of. Um, uh, screen resolutions on tablets and on PCs too is is uh, uh, re- makes it difficult to predict what the player is going to be playing on. So you end up making UI that works, that has to work well for the s- smallest possible resolution, and then still look okay on these giant screens. Um, that's been a little bit of a challenge. It has, yeah. But it's uh, you just iterate on it and and you change it until until it looks good. I think we still have. A bit of work on that, on that though. We do, yeah. but I think that that could be unbounded. So, <laughs> yes, well, yeah, <laughs> one can always iterate more. Awesome, that it sounds like it's shaping up great. Um, yeah, that's it's good to hear. So I think it's time for us to start the uh, the end game. Uh, this is a. Uh, a questionnaire that was created by uh, Brian Tyler, my co-host, and uh, it's in the spirit of kind of James Lipton's Inside the Actors Guild, and so I'm going to ask you six different questions. There's no right or wrong answers. It's just some more personal stuff, so he, both of you can answer, 
And the first one is, who is your favorite video game protagonist? Oh, that's easy. Link from Zelda. Okay. Oh, that's hard for me. Um, <laughs> and, and, well, so... So the the thing is, I'm really a like a systemsy kind of a kind of a player, right? So I, I like games like SimCity and Civilization and uh, you know uh, Spore and and so on. So <laughs> I, I I'm really struggling coming up with some uh, with, with a particular character, right? Because none of these games are character based. Um, so I, I guess my answer would be I I don't have one, but that's. Like that's a bad answer, right? It's sort of like you know, I'm, I'm questioning the very premise of this question. You know, that kind of stupid shit. Um, but yeah, it's 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 hard. I can't think of a single of a single character. That's <laughs> that. Huh, that's hard. That that's a good question. <laughs> well, yeah. Is there a um, a side that you particularly like to take? Uh, maybe in an RTS game or, or something like that. Yeah, so uh, so in a game like Civilization, for example, um, I really enjoy playing um, uh, countries that are very much about building up and sort of managing complex empires. So um, India, for example, Gandhi as as the leader is is great because it's all about you know managing this large country, and that's that's actually a, a Great character to play. So your answer for your video game I guess is really Gandhi. <laughs> that is that is perfect. That is the best answer I've ever received nice. for that. So that that is that is great, Gandhi. I love it. Um, okay, so flipping the coin on that. Um, who's your favorite antagonist? Well, I'm gonna take the civilization route. Because he did it. <laughs> I play a, I play a lot of Civ Five. It's kind of like if you go on my Steam page, it's kind of embarrassing how much Civ Five I play. Um, but I, I hate Montezuma. Like when I see his face show up, I get almost a visceral reaction because in Civ Five, the Aztecs get culture for killing people, and I just know that when the AI is is, is the Aztecs and they're nearby. I should just start over again. So no matter how well the game was going, the minute Montezuma's face shows up, I know I just have to restart the game. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with uh, the... In the game... Um, uh, oh, what was the name of it? It was a Dungeon Keeper style. Um, like, there was a Dr. Evil kind of a character. Um, evil Genius? Evil Genius, yes. In the game Evil Genius, there was uh, the sort of main protagonist who's... Uh, it was really your avatar. He, he stood in for you in the game, uh, but he was the sort of like a little guy uh, that looked like you know, an evil genius, you know, balding and, and you know in a costume, and he, he just looked badass. I mean, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now, um, kind of taking it away from that, what is your favorite old school city builder? Mm. You can only have one. Huh. Oh, that's hard. I, I'm going to have to go with the original SimCity. SimCity 1. Okay. It, it's the thing that started it all. It was still easy enough that you could express the simulation rules kind of compactly, and yet it, it had so much uh, complexity arising out of these simple rules. Like it, It's sort of a hallmark of, of great games. You know, Some people talk about Go being great because the rules are simple and the uh, space of possible games is, is enormous, and, and I think SimCity 1 did that very well. Uh, Children of the Nile for me. I, I just come back to it time and time again, and it's still just as fun to play now as it was when I first started playing it before. That's a very good game, yeah. 
Nice. Good answer. Okay. Um, so now, what is your least favorite um, element, uh, theme, or trend that you kind of see in video games today that you wish would stop? Hmm. Um, so I, I'm, I'm torn between two of them, uh, but I, I think I will go with uh, cloning, with just sort of, um, you know, how much, how much duplication there is uh, in in the game marketplace and so on. Um, and you can you hear about these things every now and then. Um, and that's just the famous ones, right? There's, uh, if you look on, in app stores, there's just so many different variants of of the same mechanics over and over again. Um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with that uh, sort of less innovation and more repetition. Good. Yeah. Uh, I hate to harp on it because everybody is, but I, I can't stand free to play games. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry, I just don't like them. I, I totally understand. I've, I've got an iPad, and I think I have one game on there that I didn't pay for. Maybe. Um, because, I, I don't know, it's just, if a game is free to play, then I instantly question its quality. I, I don't know why that is. I, I just... <laughs> and I, I'm just it's, it, for me, it's always a constant battle of, like, when is... Even if it's, even if it's seemingly good, like... When is the shoe going to drop? When is when am I going to have to pay to win? When am I going to have to pay to progress? When is it going to get grindy? I don't know. There's just a whole now prejudice that I have in my head of all the mechanics that are going to throw at me at some point. I just sort of dread them. Yeah. yeah I mean, there's, yeah, there's the, the sort of idea of uh, cognitive load, right? Which is the uh, how much uh, uh, thinking there ha is going on inside somebody's head when they're when they're faced with a problem or, or uh, you know when when they're faced with something and, and it seems like free to play games definitely increase this kind of like um, you start immediately thinking trying to predict what the, what is the designer going to do when is how am I going to be affected by this particular design I, I, just, I just feel like I'm being gamed <laughs> yeah that's it's not a feeling you want as a player or as a designer to have your yeah. players have yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I looked at my iPad, and the only free game that I have is one called The Silent Age, which is a um, kind of point-and-click adventure, and the only reason I downloaded it is it's mentioned in the um, the iOS game Republic. Uh, they came out back around Christmas. It's like a stealth game, and in, in there, the guy that's um, kind of telling you where to go, you can find uh, he lost all of his game cartridges, so it's kind of one of the comedic points in the game and uh, all of his game cartridges that he lost are all ios games and i saw that on there and i was like hey that's interesting i've never heard of that and i downloaded it haven't played it yet i've had it on there for you know two months but that's how that goes anyway <laughs> and it makes perfect sense right because like as a um as a gamer uh the the approach to these kinds of games is very different than for example somebody who's just casually downloading stuff uh, because they were doing something else and got and got you know uh, and, and so something was featured. It's a complete mindset. Yeah. Yes, it is. All right. So uh, going on from that, if you could try any other profession, uh, no holds barred, no limitations, infinite resources, you could do whatever you wanted to try. What do you want? What would you want to give a shot? I'd want to be an archaeologist. 
I'd want to be Indiana Jones, basically. <laughs> no, like, seriously, like, the idea of just um, literally digging into history is just fascinating to me. Like, what was here? What's under there? What's back the door? I just, I don't know. Uh, that's why I like the parts of civil- a civilization where you just go discover things. Yeah, so I'd be an archaeologist. Easy. Hmm. Uh, so, uh, mention, having mentioned before uh, the game Evil Genius, now I'm thinking that being an evil genius would be a pretty sweet gig. I mean, you get infinite resources, you get to build layers inside mountains, you get to have, you know, uh, pools full of sharks to throw uh, superheroes into. I mean, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so on one hand, you have a Gandhi, and other evil genius. Fascinating. Yes, I, I am full of contradictions. <laughs> So how about that? <laughs> I'm speechless. Yes. No, uh, so. there, there's no good way to segue out of a statement like that. Um. <laughs> so last question. Uh, how about that? That's a terrible segue, but we're going to go with it anyway. Um, last question. When we get to the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom and Toad is there with a the book of the deeds of your life, what do you want him to say to you? A lot of people had fun playing your games. Good job. I don't know. That's a really good question. Um, <laughs> I think you'd say, wasn't there supposed to be a princess with you? Um, <laughs> no, I think he'd say, well, I, I hope to hear him say, um, well played. I, people enjoyed your life and enjoyed their time with you. And do you think there will be a game over? There has to be a game over. I don't know. Oh. You're an evil genius, so. <laughs> Maybe you get a, a game over. I'm hoping for like a one-up at that point. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Extra life. At the very least, a flower. <laughs> yes. I'll go out with spitballs or maybe the hammer-throwing thing. <laughs> All right, guys, you did it. You passed. Congratulations. You win our love and respect uh, for all eternity. Uh, That's all we have to offer, so no cash prizes or anything like that. Uh, (laughs) So thank you so much for joining us tonight. Really enjoyed our conversation. If you could just send this out by telling our listeners where they can go to find more information about 1849. Sure, you can go to www.somasim.com slash 1849. All right. Awesome. Thank you again, and have a good night. Thanks. Thanks.